Hey everyone, once again, we have Ask here. This is our final episode before I go on break. So you definitely wanna hear, we're gonna look at a few questions like, is it gonna be obvious when the uh, tribulation starts? What's the difference between our soul and our spirit? And also a great question about God's sovereignty over suicide. So stay tuned, it's coming up next. Welcome once again, we're at Cornerstone Church filming live. We're not live, actually, it's taped. Uh, I'm Pastor Jamie and uh, this is uh, our edition of Ask, as, as probably most of you know, I'm going to be taking a sabbatical for a few months, and so this is going to be the last episode until I come back. So feel free to submit more questions about Bible, faith, and love. <laughs> love would be great. Uh, life. And, um, and and just go to cornerstonebv.org. There's a media page. Drop down. Hit Ask. Put it in. But just so you know, we can build up that bank for when I return, but uh, you won't be seeing any episodes on it. So you'll have to be Patient. Send it to Pastor Bob if you need an immediate answer. All right? Um, okay, we have three great questions to finish this off. Uh, number one, is it going to be obvious when the tribulation starts? Or will it be something that sort of dawns on you partway through after it's been going on for a while? Huh, that's a great question. I, I, I've thought that myself. But I, I do smile uh, because in your question, you reveal your eschatology, I think which is just simply the study of the end times. In your question, right, you, you're assuming a post-trib rapture view of the tribulation, I think, right? Because the pre-trib rapture view says the church, God's people, will be taken up with Christ in the air uh, before the seven years of tribulation. The post-trib view says the rapture of the church takes place after the tribulation. So if you're pre-trib, then you certainly know the tribulation has started because you'll be gone, right? You'll be with the Lord. So. Let's answer the question assuming the post-trib rapture view, all right? Because that, that means that we, we would have to live through the seven years if we're here during that final stage, right? So I believe, I don't know, it, it, it's hard to say, but I believe at first, you, you may not know that it's happening, but it shouldn't take very long, right? The first three and a half years are gonna be full of God's wrath and judgments, terrible plagues, natural disasters, um, You'll also see the rise of the Antichrist. He might not, not gonna reveal himself yet, but so I, I think you're gonna know at some point there. The last three and a half years, which is referred to in Daniel 9 and by Jesus in Matthew 24, it's called the Great Tribulation. It will be impossible to not know at that point. It's gonna be a horrible, intense persecution. And the Antichrist will come to rule. All God's people will be persecuted mightily. Post-trib people believe that's the church being persecuted. Pre-trib say, well, that's going to be believing Jews who, who come to Christ during the tribulation. Uh, they'll be the ones undergoing persecution. So there you go. I do think um, you will know for the most part to answer your question. I, I also think we must hold our eschatology loosely, right? There, there are definitely biblical facts to hold firmly, but timelines and particulars are sometimes hard to be concrete on. If anyone is adamant that they know the exact events, a timeline, please be wary, right? We will most likely, I'm convinced, we're gonna come to the end and we're all gonna see that we got some stuff wrong. But none of that stuff will put our salvation in jeopardy. But we should approach the topic humbly, especially with those Christians uh, we disagree with on, on that topic. Okay, great question though. Second one's also really good. Saul commits suicide, yet it says that the Lord put him to death because he was unfaithful. I find this very interesting. Whether he died at the hand of the Philistines, his armor bearer, or himself, it is clear that it was still God's appointed time for him to die, and for just and for good and just reasons. 
but it's difficult to wrestle with God's sovereignty and providence over suicide. The Lord put him to death, caused him to end his own life. I, I thought your response would bring up some good but hard truths. Okay, excellent. So we see this in 1 Chronicles 10. Let me read it, verse four. It says, then Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised come and mistreat me. But his armor bearer would not, for he feared greatly. Therefore, Saul took his own sword and he fell upon it. Okay, then later, skip ahead, verses 13 and 14, same chapter. It says, so Saul died for his breach of faith. He broke faith with the Lord in that he did not keep the command of the Lord and also consulted a medium seeking guidance. He did not seek guidance from the Lord. Therefore, the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse. So it's a great question. Did Saul commit suicide? Yes, but I think we, we should differentiate between Saul's suicide and probably most suicides, especially that, that happened today, but really any time period. Saul was fighting the Philistines. Uh, he was hit by arrows that were most likely gonna kill him if he just laid there, or he was very close to being captured. And then he was worried about being tortured, humiliated, and then dying anyway. So I'm not condoning it, but I do have to admit that if I was in a situation of almost definite death by suffering, but I could take that in an easy way, I would have to seriously consider it. I'm not saying it's the right thing, but I mean, who wouldn't, right? So it's not like Saul, my point is, it's not like Saul woke up one day and he just decided life was not worth living and he was depressed and he killed himself. He believed it was far better to have his armor bearer do it quickly uh, than, than that long torture or something like that by the Philistines. Still, one could certainly argue that he should have trusted God because God can always heal, he can always deliver, even when it seems that there's no hope. But I do think this answers pretty clearly. The writers know uh, about God appointing him to die um, because he went down in battle, right? The fact that, that Saul took his own life before the Philistines got to him didn't change that God had decided the time had come for his life to be over. And it was time for his judgment and for, for David to take over the kingdom. As to whether Saul was saved, whole nother question. So what about the suicides that happen today? Is God sovereign over suicide? Yes, of course. There's nothing that happens, good or bad, it's outside his sovereign will. This, of course, causes questions for us. Like, what about all bad things that people do, and including suicide? Well, God uses even these things to bring himself glory and accomplish his will and plan, and all will work for the good of those who love him. Promise that. But these things are still outside what we call his permissive will, right? It's never God's will that we sin and hurt others or ourselves. So how these two things meet, God's sovereign will and God's permissive will, well, whole books have been written on that subject. So, um, but I, I do think there's something we should talk about, okay? If you're hurting, considering any kind of self-harm or suicide, please know this is not what God wants for you. Right? He wants you to trust him and get help. There is definitely hope and there's a value to your life, even when it seems like there's nothing there, right? It's, it's like being lost in the woods. It's so dark, it just seems pointless that you even keep going. So you just sit down and give up. And they find you just 10 feet from a path that would have led out of the woods. If you just kept going 10 more feet in those dark, pointless woods, you would have been saved. 
You need to know no matter how dark it gets, how pointless it seems, there's a path as far closer than you think. God has you. Tell someone, let, let, let's see how awesome God uses you on your road to recovery. That's what I would say to you if you're struggling with that today. All right, last one. Um, what is the difference between our souls and spirits? This is a really good question uh, because this can get very confusing as the Bible uses both terms and sometimes we use them interchange interchangeably. And this actually can be okay in some context, but not always. So while it's complicated, let me give you the basic differences. There are these. The soul is who you are. It actually includes both your physical and spiritual aspects. Say you're more spiritual than you are physical, but it includes both. It's who you are. The spirit is our immaterial part of who we are only. We're not spirits, but we have a spirit. When you read the Bible, we see that the spirit in us can either be alive or dead, and it depends on if we're in Christ or not. That's what the Bible teaches us. The spirit is our immaterial substance that goes deeper than the physical, and it's how we ultimately relate and connect to God, who's a spirit. So once again, we all have a spirit. The question is whether we are spiritually alive in Christ or spiritually dead in sin. The soul is who we are. Whether you're a Christian or not, you have a soul made in the image of God. Hopefully that helps. If you have any follow-ups on that, I'll come back to it in a few months, all right? Hey, thanks so much for Ask. Thank you for Steve, always being behind the camera for many years now. As we have given you these weekly episodes, we should definitely return. You can submit your questions when I return in a few months, or if you have ideas on how to make the show even better, uh, we're all ears to that as well. All right, we'll hopefully see you this weekend. It's my last time with the church for a few months, so hopefully you can join us. It's at five on Saturday or nine at 11 or 11 on Sunday. May God bless you. See you soon.